You pressed play on this podcast with the click of curiosity. It is another dimension, a dimension of mind, a dimension where nothing is sacred and everything is explainable. You're streaming into a land of both inside and outside of things and ideas. You've just crossed over into the midside. The midside, where when something goes wrong in our lives, we just blame it on capitalism. I'm your host, Justin M. Lesneski, the hopeful bromantic, and I retroactively and proactively denounce anything we've ever said and ever will say. You know, my opening quip there is a reference to something that I think has kind of become a meme on Twitter, where users will retweet something that's happening and say this is capitalism's fault or look at the results of capitalism or and we still won't move away from capitalism. And whenever I see it, it reminds me of uh, a South Park two-parter where they went to the future. I won't go into all the details of the episode, but they go to the future and there's a group there that says, for science. And, you know, rather than believing in God, they just say everything is for science. And, you know, we've sort of seen this with the pandemic. But this this meme is the opposite of it. It's blaming this abstract concept, right? It's just like, oh, this is capitalism's fault. This is capitalism's fault. As if that explains everything away and explains the entire complex situation away. And and it becomes a boogeyman at that point. It, it becomes an excuse. Rather than actually figuring out these situations and figure out what's going on, you just say capitalism. And that's sort of where we're at as a society. We, we seem to be taking ideas seriously, but we've become much more actually rationalistic. And that's terrifying when you combine rationalism with emotionalism. And on that note, there's a lot sort of related to that we're going to talk about this episode. But first, I need to bring in my co-host. Joining me this trip from Dale's Lawn, identifying as a woman to forgo his white male gay privilege, William Green. Hello, hello. Yeah, I blame white heteronormativity for the, uh, for the uh, uh, pipeline fire in the Gulf. Not capitalism. Come on now, Justin. <laughs> that's only that's only one manifestation of that tweet, though. You've seen a bunch of those, right? Oh, I've seen it. All, all sorts of things. I just thought the, that that's the funniest one uh, to blame on white heteronormativity. Yeah, no, no, no. That that that's. I mean, we're funny. penetrating the ocean. How dare we? <laughs> penetrating the ocean. Yeah. Uh, the, I thought the you know the fire in the ocean was the funniest because I don't know if you saw my tweet about it. That's literally what witness the farce means, William. Like, it's so relevant to our show because it was literally Francisco coming in in Atlas Shrugged and witnessing the nationalization of the San Sebastian mines by Mexico. And that's what's going on. It's a nationalized oil rig, right? By Mexico. Yeah. yeah. I blame capitalism for it, though, somehow. And white heteronormativity. This is literally what witness the farce means, blaming capitalism when it's the, the government's fault and when it's collectivism's fault. It's it's. It's insane that it's playing out in reality. It's insane. Yeah, yeah. If only the government had taken over. Wait a minute. <laughs> All right, what's going on with you, William? Well, how's this week been? Oh, man, it's been a busy, fun-filled week. Uh, the weather has been amazing. Um, the dogs have uh, been amazing. Um, Colt uh, is not liking the fireworks. But uh, no huge panic attacks for him. So I think having the puppy around who doesn't give two shits about the fireworks is uh, is nice. Um, 
but yeah, and things uh, things continue to uh, slowly get back to normal. Uh, unfortunately, that means LA traffic, so having to start leaving more time to get places. Um, but I'm really looking forward to uh, to next week. You want to plug next week's show? Next week's show, uh, William will be here live because oh, he's going to be hanging out in Florida next weekend. So William will be here live uh, in the Midside headquarters in Orlando to record the in episode. In the closet. So I'm going fun. back in the closet. No, Perfect. we're going to record show. in the kitchen. Come on. <laughs> Need a little bit more space. All right. All right. But when you're talking about California, William, you're talking about Los Angeles and going back to normal. Uh, if L.A. had its way, it wouldn't go back to normal. Let's Very talk true. about that. Hit the music. Take a good look around. This life will be fun. No, we just complaining. I hope that this life goes on. Because I'm on a roll here. I hope this is making some sense. I hope that you throw up your hands and sing it and tell all the haters that they should just shut up and As always, if you'd like to support the show, you can do so on Patreon or Locals. Patreon is per episode. Locals is per month. We accept any and all support, including affirmations. You can go to themidside.com slash Patreon or themidside.com slash Locals. The first thing I wanted to talk to you about this week, uh, William, is, you know, I, I talked a little bit at the top of the show about how the catchphrase of, oh, no, this is capitalism's fault has happened. We've also had a new pandemic catchphrase. So last week we had a good little respite on, on the show here where we didn't get to talk about the pandemic. We didn't have to talk about the pandemic. But this week I think we have to because all I've been hearing, and it started last week to be fair, but, but this week all I've been hearing about is the Delta variant. And it got especially bad, not the Delta variant, but the, the conversation about it got especially bad, William, where you are in Los Angeles County. Because Los Angeles County tried to say, because of the Delta variant, even if you're vaccinated, you have to wear masks. And this is how insane them saying it is. It's so insane that California actually came out and said, no, you don't. So California is contradicting Los Angeles on this. I just thought that that spoke volumes, William. Well, I like to refer to it as the Delta Force variant. That way we can uh, all watch uh, Chuck Norris and uh, was it Lee Marvin? Uh, I can't remember who the other person was. And uh, That's quite a, a nice, pull. good 80s action uh, movie. But uh, yeah, the Delta Force variant. Uh, yeah. I, and, you know, it's weird. Uh, I did notice a lot more people wearing masks. And I don't know if that was just, uh, you know, uh, uh, me being attuned to it and saying, oh, I wonder if people are going to going to respond to this Delta Force uh, uh, proclamation by the uh, our esteemed uh, uh, health minister. Um, but I think they are, but but then again, a lot of people aren't. And uh, I mean, we're still we're trying, trying to figure out, you know, what businesses are going to do around here, whether things are going to reopen in L.A. County. You know, there's a lot of office workers that still aren't in the office, right? Um, and, and there's a lot that are, and uh and yeah it's it's it was do you think it's one last push to scare people or to like because you know the plan is to put everyone back into lockdown in the in the in the fall right i mean because the flu season is going to be terrible this year by by all like predictive models right and flu has has historically killed more people right 
Yeah, so uh, I think that L.A. is so far left, and I am going to make this explicitly political because I think it is, that it's a, it's a perfect demonstration of how the left wing would continue if they had their way. Now, of course, we're seeing this in other countries. We're seeing this in Europe. We're seeing it in Canada really badly, right? For, you know, if we have any Canadian midsiders out there, I know there are a few. Uh, midsider yeah, we're accepting he's... all, yeah, we're accepting all political asylum seekers from Canada right now. So yeah. when, when, well, when, that, when, yeah. when, when LA is freer than Canada, you know, you guys are in trouble. Right. Exactly. And then that's why the whole thing is very stark. California responding to LA in the way it did. And as I was saying, Midsider Conrad has been updating me on on Canada, and you know he does have plans to immigrate to the U.S. Uh, you know, I told him just claim asylum, but I don't know if they actually could. It'd be interesting to see someone try that to see what would happen. But in regards to California and L.A., it's exactly what you just said. L.A. is as far left, I think we can say now, as it gets in America, and we see the mentality where. The media has been trying to push the Delta variant for exactly the reason you said, to scare people to try and get more power, right? To get more collectivist power because the media gets more money and has more influence if people think collectively because then they can influence things more because people say, oh, this is happening to everyone rather than saying these are isolated events, Something if you track yeah, in the yeah. news, William, if you notice in the 80s and 90s versus today, the 80s and 90s used to be, oh, this thing happened. Right? When we talked about this is just a random event. Remember the, the kid that fell in the well? That was one event. That was one event. But now everything's connected. And, you know, a perfect example of that is I, I posted this thing in Discord. I don't know if anyone saw it. I, you know, there's a, supposed to be a hurricane. It's been downgraded to a uh, tropical storm. Uh, that's supposed to hit. Uh, sorry, I just looked in the Discord because I was going to have the uh, the quote. And Midsider Josh M just said, "I'm a Canadian Midsider." Alberta just fully opened on Canada Day. Okay, then Canadians, Canadians, if you don't want to leave Canada, just everybody go to Alberta because I know Ontario is fucking terrible. So anyway, like I was saying, so there was this hurricane category one that was supposed to make landfall in. Florida on the beginning of the week, right? When you guys are listening to this episode, we're getting a hurricane, but it's actually been downgraded to a tropical storm. It's called Elsa. And I've been reading, you know, just to follow the track because, you know, you live in this area, you get to know where the storms are. And I read this article on CNN, and this is a direct quote from the article. William, the forecast is less certain after Sunday. But Elsa could bring heavy rain and gusty winds to South Florida next week as a tropical storm, including the site of the deadly Surfside condo collapse, according to the Hurricane Center. So, William, this is this is insane to me because, yes, the condo that collapsed is located in South Florida, but these two events are not connected. The media, though, needs to make them connected because that's how it pushes collectivism and that's how it gets more power by saying, oh, we're exposing this systemic stuff. So all this systemic conversation is related to the media. I mean, connecting connecting this, connecting the condo to the hurricane, it, it would be like back in the day, you know, it, in 1999, when the, 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 the six firemen in Worcester died in the in the in the building. Right. There was a warehouse fire. They went in. They died in that fire. 
in, in the December. And then a nor'easter came and it hit New England. It hit Massachusetts. It hit central Massachusetts. And the media was like, the nor'easter is going to hit central Massachusetts, the same area where the Worcester Six died in the building. The same, you know, the building that the Worcester Six died in is located there. They're not connected. They're doing this to scare people. They're doing this to get people to continually think negatively. So the media gets power that way. And then that works in conjunction with the government, where the media props up this idea of the Delta Force variant. The Delta Force variant scares people. And then the government can go, oh, scary. Right. Well, I mean, yeah, if somebody was like, I would be more scared if someone was like, we all have to be worried about Chuck Norris. But <laughs> the the government then locks onto that, uses that and says, oh, well, we need to be scared of this variant. It's deadlier. And they've been trying to do that way. I believe that it's intentional by the media. And Los Angeles is what the government would do. The, the far left people in the government would do if they could get away with it. Yeah. It's, it's interesting that when we talk about the media and, and how the media has become you know, narrative, just so narrative focused. Justin, doesn't this feel like, uh, like a reality TV, like writer's room, right? Like all these things being just drawn together, things that just happen. Right. And it, it, because this is not really integrating it, right? Like this isn't like an article written about people doing like the demolition and recovery. Right. And saying like, oh, the storm might affect them, right? Which might might have been an article you would see five years ago, right? Like there might be a main article on, on like this tropical storm approaching and then some secondary articles on how it's going to affect, affect different like local things going on, right? Yes. But but this is a reality TV, you know, this is more like a reality TV writer's room. So everything has to be connected. And, you know, we have this great footage of, you know, our, our our stars at the uh, rescue effort, so we have to make sure to mention them, even if it's not really related in this episode, the, the events. I think that you've created an excellent metaphor, William, and now you're going to hit the drop, right? Well, I mean, if you if you insist. William, my degree from FU says you are 100% correct. It's a, it's a great metaphor because it works exactly with something we've been talking about recently on the show. Spectacle versus catharsis. Reality TV nowadays is all spectacle. It's exactly what you just said. There's no real link, but they link all these ideas together to make it seem like, oh, wow, look at this, blah, blah, blah. And this is actually related to something that Midsider Josh just said in the in the chat. He said they're turning DeSantis into the new Trump, and that's why they're mentioning the condo collapse. Well, that's the same thing they do in reality TV, William, where they take all these events that aren't connected and then they portray one person negatively. They take quotes out of context and turn them into some sort of villain and give them a villain edit. You're right. The media, there is no line anymore between the media and reality television. It's the same techniques. I, I think that's I wouldn't have thought to think say it that way. But that's exactly it. And that's how they've been handling the Delta variant. We are now in the Delta variant arc of the reality TV show. Well, how much? What's after Delta? I mean, Theta, Gamma, what what are we going to do next? I mean, are we just going to keep hammering this or when are we going to switch back to climate change? 
Well, we're already seeing some shifts back to climate change, right? We're seeing some shifts back to climate change. Um, you also mentioned the flu season. It's interesting to what they're going to do there. So I, I hadn't even thought forward to the fall yet, right? I thought that the fact that California is responding to L.A. County and that, you know, Florida is so open and other places are open now, the you know, the NFL is going back to normal for the fall. The schools are going back to normal here for the fall in Florida. I thought we were pretty much out of the woods. But you think they're going to try and double down again in the fall with the flu. Is that what you're saying? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, this is a this is a tool in in the toolkit, right? It worked and looked. It didn't destroy the economy, or, but, but more importantly, in their heads, right? But more importantly, it uh, it pleased a majority of the elect- electorate. So this is a tool in the toolkit, and they're just going to keep using it for whatever comes next, right? Well, right. And the part of the reason it pleased them is because going back to what Midsider Joss said in the chat, you know, Trump was Trump. He was a reality TV villain, and they, they were able to use that as part of that narrative. So I yeah. think we'll see that a lot going forward. And, I mean, we're starting to see the next thing as well. We're starting to see the storyline they're creating for the Olympics. And, you know, we saw it a little bit ago with the, with the woman's tennis player, right? We, we That controversy was talked about in the Discord. And if anyone's been, anyone's been in the Discord this week, we've had a very interesting conversation. A lot has come out about all of these different athletes being ruled eligible and ineligible for different reasons. So, William, this is just all over the place to me. I mean, I'm really interested to see your thoughts on this. So two American. Oh, no, they weren't American sprinters. So two sprinters. And I got to open the story here. But top, uh, the, the, the headline I have here is top 400 meter sprinters ruled ineligible due to testosterone rule. Official says Nambians. So they're from Nambia. Christina Mboa and Beatrice Masalingi. I probably said that to Italian, I'm sorry, are 18 years old and they have a natural high testosterone level, according to the, uh, oh, sorry, Namibia. Uh, I'm terrible with these pronunciations. Nobody get mad at me. Olympic Committee. So they're not allowed to run in the Olympics. Now, on the other hand, we had an American track and field athlete ruled ineligible for smoking weed but yep, then there's positive. the new zealand yep. power uh, uh power lifter who has previously competed as a professional power lifter as a man is now lifting in the olympics as a woman so all of these rules william they're all over the place what 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 is we don't have any sort of set of principles and i think this goes into the reality tv and the spectacle thing we don't have any set of principles as far as how we set these rules and who's eligible and who's ineligible because i get it right you don't want female athletes having too high of a testosterone level but 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 man that's only in the uh in the 400 meter right right because i think they're still competing they're qualified for the 200 meter Right. And then the, uh, also the woman who uh, got in trouble for marijuana, she could, if she had qualified in the relay race, competed in the relay, even though she couldn't compete individually. She's not able to due to qualification. But how does that even make sense? Right. So there's I, no I set of, of rules here. There's no like. W- in the chat, 
let me ask you this in the chat midsider uh, lucid said that this is because this is all fringe stuff and i agree with him we sort of have this thing where we let all this stuff creep in on the outside and then we only really fight it and argue about it when it gets to the middle and gets to the when i say the middle the the really important stuff right when this starts happening with basketball with the olympics or gymnastics or figure skating then we'll start seeing a real controversy of this. But at that point, then we just, and I say we, I say everybody just says, okay, we're just going to give this. We don't care anymore. We don't want to fight anymore. We're going to let this happen. So what do you think of that, William? Like, do we need to fight this battle now? Do we need to worry about this? Or is this just all absurd, stupid stuff to ignore? I I, I don't know that. I, I, I think that this story is important in the sense that you know when we when we biology is an is a complex topic right so i don't want to i don't want to dive too deep into it but it it makes you wonder like did they did they like just arbitrarily pick a number or like it, you wouldn't expect many women to be caught up in this if they were smart about it about picking the number right and and then at the same time if there's no if 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 this hormone doesn't make any difference then uh this is sort of an argument that the amount of testosterone does make a difference right in in things like racing if if these people are like olympic qualifiers and they have this higher you know there's this this precedent of having higher testosterone then maybe there's a you know maybe there's a biological difference between men and women Am I allowed to say that, or do I have to immediately disavow it? Uh, we already did that at the top of the show, so you're fine. Okay, but that's what I mean God. about Ooh. the New Zealand power lifter, right? So yeah, there would be because, a- yeah, because then, then, yeah, because then we would we would say, oh well, I, is there a way? Like, but but Justin, in that case, is there a way that they? It, it doesn't matter how much like testosterone blockers that person takes they're never going to undo their musculature and bone density and all the other things. Right. And right. Especially, and especially yeah, when I'm at that age, nerve endings, nerve differences, right? Like all those things are just already done. Right. Right. But think of the difference, William, right? I said at that age, think of the difference. If the transitioning had actually started as a teenager or a preteen, or they had never competed as a man, wouldn't there be a difference there? Because to me, it yeah, hurts the argument difference. when this is a, someone who competed as a man and, you know, didn't do so hot. And now is like, oh, I'm going to go compete as a woman. To me, that's like if there was a high school wrestler who, as a man, qualified for states, but didn't place in the top six. So said, oh, next season, I'm going to wrestle as a woman, as a girl, yeah. because, you know, then I could win. They would never say the last part, but that's what everyone would look at them as. So there, there's a difference there as well. And that's another yeah. thing about all this. We're trying to fix everything immediately. Couldn't we set rules and set standards and say, okay, if we're going to start accepting transitioning and transitioning athletes or transitioned athletes, there has to be a certain time period in which you started transitioning developmentally because of what you just said about you know, by the time you're this old, you've already experienced the benefits that make things necessarily different. Yeah. Yeah. 
and I, I think it I think that you know we've talked about it before we don't we might not know what the answer is right like the biological things the bi- biological measures but the the thing is to understand the the fundamental differences and operate on that principle and say hey if you don't meet these fundamental things we want to see you know women in compete in sports and this is how we want to see it like i don't think that's that's bigoted to say that right and we've talked before about if you operate on that principle then just have have a like free division like you know uh obviously still keep a bunch of drug rules in in place because uh that's still something that people value and then have a, a women's division and and here we mean female biological female division and then define it uh as best we can today and like you say iterate on it going forward as we figure out and understand more right and that's what i want to be clear about as we figure out and understand more i am clearly not supposing that i have the answers to this I don't know. But what I am looking for is, as you said, some clarity as far as definitions and as far as rules, because you even put in the idea of drugs, performance enhancing drugs. Uh, Midsider Lucid said previously in Discord during one of the weeks that I, I guess if you eat a lot of pork, it elevates different levels. So, you you know, what about athletes who eat too much pork? Is that allowed? Right? Are we going to start having problems with that? As I science always, increases, I always knew bacon was a wonder drug. I always knew bacon was a wonder drug. Well, that's exactly what I was just going to say, William. I was even going to talk about the carnivore diet. And I was even going to talk about paleo. Right? And uh, I can't... I'm, my mind's blanking on the other one that's similar. But talking about those things, as we start figuring out science, right? As we start biohacking, as we start changing the way we understand this... Right. Because I think, you know, one of the greatest arguments about, you know, can we compare generations? Right. Can we compare Bill Russell to Giannis nowadays? I don't think we can, because I think technology is so different. And I don't just mean, you know, the shoes you wear, the courts you're running on, the, the equipment you're using. But I also mean the training techniques, the nutrition techniques that if you had used had someone like Bill Russell using those techniques, he would have been a completely different athlete than he actually was. So what I'm looking for going forward here, William, is just some definition. Let's have serious, objective conversations about this rather than just having these spectacle reality TV based discussions is what grabs the new headlines. Who are our villains? Who are our heroes? It's not about that. The heroes in the past and the villains in the past were always the ones who went outside those objective rules. Now there are none and we just paint whoever we want, whoever makes us feel good as these heroes and villains. And that further breaks everything down. And the way these Olympics are being handled is exactly an example of that, I think. Yeah, I think so, too. This is going to be uh, and think about, you know, we're we're, of course, progressive. Um here in the West, like how is this going to be manipulated by some of the uh, a little more less uh, progressive countries, right? Like how how are these rules going to be manipulated by those folks? It's going to be uh, interesting. I mean, we we know we know there's been a lot of accusations in the past about the USSR athletes and how much they were juiced and things like that, right? Like, and Olympics are not exactly known for being a bastion of corruption-free uh, competitive integrity. 
it's going to be uh there's going to be a lot going on in this area that's going to make it that that's going to get immediately politicized because of the transition well and that's a whole other discussion right there is you know different countries have different values and philosophies and because of the globalization of communication we're acting like everybody needs to get on the same page right now and that's 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 a whole other discussion but when William, when we're talking about, you know, digital communication and everyone getting on the same page, you shared a story. I believe this was you who shared this story in the Discord this week, right? Or did you share yeah. it in the, the text thread? I don't, where did you share this story? Uh, I think I shared it in Discord because my reaction, uh, my reaction was immediate. So uh, let's. So let's what's go the over. story? So the story are, uh, it's a from Medium. Most women are frustrated with dating apps. And my immediate reaction was, only women? <laughs> I think we've, we've talked about this. <laughs> like, I, I think we've talked about it on the show, but I know we've, uh, I've talked about it with some friends in person. I think I've talked about it with you. Like, uh, the dating apps are messed up, right? Like, we've seen the numbers from, like, OkCupid and other dating services that provide the numbers. It's crazy. They had to stop doing it because it was uh, being accused of being misogynistic back in the day. I think we covered it in the earlier season, like seasons ago. Um, yeah, but, uh, but this article, it's, it's very like, uh, you want to talk about collectivist thinking, like it yes, says, it, it just, it just, <laughs> it just lists like, well, you can put guys in these categories and they have these categories. I'm just gonna read the categories, but you can kind of fill them in and imagine selfish guys, self-proclaimed nice guys, gym rats, the black girl fetish, the one who hides behind looking for a commitment. So that's that's the categories. So so this this wait, poor wait, chick wait, as she's swiping. Continue, this is before, these these are the categories she's putting you in. Right. And before you continue, uh, I just want to point out that these categories go both ways. You can put all the women on the apps in these categories as well. Especially with, <laughs> sure, with the selfish sure. guys, she's describing a one-sided conversation where you feel like an interrogator. Any guy who's ever been on any date, forget dating app, any date has felt like an interrogator before because of conversations being one-sided so continue <laughs> yeah yeah so 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 this is this is what this poor girl is is putting uh putting into it um putting everyone into these categories and just making tons of assumptions about them so uh so yeah i guess this is like prejudice uh, like the app like how do how do we be prejudiced on these apps no. Well, what's what's interesting to me is I think it's even more fundamentally collectivist than you just said. Yeah, she's obviously thinking collectivistically uh, about all these different guys and categorizing them. And I don't I don't want to say like it's not wrong to categorize as a way of understanding, right? But you you can't go in looking to put every guy in a category. You have to go in looking at every person as an individual and giving the person an opportunity to individuate or not. And then when they don't individuate, when that person doesn't individuate, you put him or her in whatever category. But it's even more fundamentally collectivistic because she's taking her experience and saying, oh, it's only a female thing. So it's like narcissism <clears throat> yeah. combined with collectivism. Because as we've said, you know, we've talked about this on the show or at least uh, off the show about how dating apps are difficult for both genders, but for different reasons. And we wouldn't say it's more or less for either gender. We would just say for different reasons, it's difficult for men and difficult for women. But she just says, oh, here's why women are frustrated. Now, to be fair, she's not saying men aren't frustrated as well, but the idea that she immediately jumps to, oh, this is a 
These are specific female problems without identifying why they're specific female problems. Yeah. And it's funny because we've discussed in the show uh, this one of the specifically male problems, which is, um, you know, how much how much it's uh, skewed um, male versus female. We've talked about that shit before. I, I was kind of Googling around for the article. It's so old. I'm going to have trouble finding it. Yeah. But, um, but, uh, you know, we've talked about, we've talked about that before. So that, so it's not like this issue itself is invalid, but, but because of this, you know, just rampant collectivism and, and like you said, the narcissism, uh, you know, this poor, this poor woman has just taken the, the, her experience and just said, well, here's my experience. This one girl on TikTok has similar experiences. Therefore all women face this experience. Well, right. And that's what's even more fundamentally disturbing to me about this article is, and I, I've sort of touched on of this TikTok? <laughs> No, I, uh, I, I'm less like as Twitter gets worse and worse, I'm, I'm less negative about TikTok. That's probably the nicest thing I've ever said about TikTok and the nicest I've ever thought about TikTok. But no, it's, it, it's sort of related though. It's sort of related to social media. It's the idea that, and I think I've mentioned this before in the show, the whole top down versus ground up. Whereas in the top down, you used to have publishers who acted as, you know, a, a gatekeeper who said, you know, this has been published before this hasn't, or, you know, we need a new angle on this, or, you know, here's how you can do this differently. Whereas nowadays, nobody checks to see if something's been written before they just vomit whatever they want onto the internet. And then if it goes viral or not, it happens to be the topic of the week. And what I mean by that is it's the year 2021. Were there really no other articles you could share or find that said exactly what was written in this article? No one's really written about the bad types of guys or the bad types of girls or the problems inherent in dating apps. That's a new thing especially after a year of the pandemic where that's how people had to rely on dating, especially in big cities. I think there were a lot of articles about that at the beginning of the pandemic. So this is just somebody who only wanted to see her words published on the internet. And the problem with this is we've seen this, you know, just simply with the streaming services. There's so much content that our conversations are dead. You can't really have conversations in the digital space anymore. William, I don't see conversation happening anymore. I see so much broadcasting and then you can either decide to broadcast as well, be a consumer or just disengage altogether because the only real conversation you can have is in person on a personal level. Nowadays, there's just too much information and too much repetitive information that's being published nowadays. Well, it's got to fit the, uh, the reality TV script. Well, right. That's the NPC part of it. Right? Lines must be said, must be echoed. I mean, how many reality TV shows, William, are exactly what you just said? They're either rehashes of old shows, or it's the same show that's on season. And I'm talking about Survivor at this point, season forty, and it's just the same thing, just slightly different, over and over again. I had to stop watching Survivor for that. That was one of the reasons. Right? It becomes diluted at that point. Or we have any number of these shows, right? We see this with the 90 Day Fiance uh, franchise now, where it's so diluted. They've got so many different versions of it. Before the 90 Days, Happily Ever After, uh, 90 Day The Single Life, 
right? It's all the same thing. It's edited the same way. The stories are told the same way. It's all about the same thing, but they just want as much content out there as possible. And then, it, you know, the content's made about that. And it's the same content that's been made about The Bachelor, The Bachelorette, Bachelor in Paradise, Too Hot to Handle, right? It's all the same stuff. And don't get me wrong, there are some of these reality shows that I'll watch. We watch 90 Day Fiance in this apartment. But as far as the internet, it's just it's just too much for me. <clears throat> old man yells at clouds. Thank you, Justin. The internet is, is too much is that for what? Me. I think I had more of a valid point than old man yells at cloud. <laughs> All right, let's take a question from the Discord here. So this week, Midsider Alex asked in the Discord... Uh, I don't know why he asked this, but maybe that's something you can unpack a little bit here, William. Uh, he said, since we're all not we're all not quite, quote, normal minded, for lack of a better term, I'm curious as to who your guys favorite female characters are. Now, I made a joke immediately because I didn't want to think about it immediately. I just said, I have none. I only want stories with men. Now, I was joking because, William, I do prefer stories with male protagonists because I'm a guy and that just that's what bromanticism is to me, right? It's, 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 it's stories about men and masculinity and, and, and dealing with that and how that exists in the world and, and what healthy masculinity is and how that pursues values and creates a better world and deals with conflict. Those are more appealing stories to me. So I, I, when he, he asked the question, I immediately didn't want to think about it. I just didn't have time. But when I sat down and thought about it, uh, I came up with, with a bunch of characters. So, I can't say like, you know, when I talk about my favorite characters of all time, like Sawyer and Dr. House or, you know, Boston Rob on uh, Survivor, I would consider a reality TV character, not the person, the character that's on screen, a character, you know, those like jump out to me, but I don't have like favorite female characters as far as like, you know, I identify with them. I like them a lot. Like I don't celebrate them in the same way. So I want to be clear about that, but there are characters that I like. And I think are better than other female characters. Uh, so some that just jumped to mind. I actually really liked Letty and, and Fast 9. Uh, Michelle Rodriguez's character. Just because you know the beginning of the movie was... You know, they were in hiding. Her and Dom. Her and Vince... Uh, I was going to say Vince Vaughn. <laughs> Vin Diesel's character were in hiding. And she was just like, this isn't us. This isn't who we are. And I liked that. I liked that she was, you know, able to be like reality focused she was able to call him out and, and and say you know this is what we're about i also like the character of, of doctor or madam gorski depending on which level of the fantasy and sucker punch you know teach you know what she teaches and how she supports the women and makes you know them be strong within themselves uh Lilu dallas is of course a a very iconic character in the fifth element you know she represents i think the the female ideal for the man and i don't mean the fact that she doesn't talk but you know, she's beautiful and she sort of doesn't use it, but she still is beautiful. And it's not all about talking for her, but she's very action oriented and she does what she needs to. And, and to a man, she is the fifth element. She is the answer that will will will, will fix the world. I think it talks a lot about masculinity and femininity and their relationship in that movie. Uh, I always liked the rogue gambit dynamic in the nineties X-Men animated series, William, I, I thought that was tremendous. I also liked the Jubilee character. Yeah. I thought she was cool with her sunglasses and her, her, her leather jacket. Just thought that was cool. And you know, her whole story of like, 
You know, here's a young mutant, you know, coming to terms with that. Uh, Kate and Lost was cool before they, you know, made her, for lack of a better term, simp for Jack. You know, when Kate was being Kate and she was, you know, not wanting to fit into the system and wanting to do whatever she wanted and was more towards Sawyer. She was a great character. Uh, Topanga is iconic, of course, from Boy Meets World. Kira from Deep Space Nine. Uh, if you've never seen Cougar Town, uh, Jules and Elle from Cougar Town are great characters. They're what makes that show awesome. Those are two hilarious, awesome characters. They're the leads in that show. Jules is the lead. She's played by Courtney Cox. And then I thought of uh, The Fighter is one movie I love. And Amy Adams' character, Charlene Fleming, is really great because she makes Mark Wahlberg's character face his issues with his family and stand up for himself. So I guess you could say from talking about all this, William, I like the female characters that make men deal with reality and say, Hey, I'm here. I'm a value. And our lives can be better if you just deal with reality rather than avoiding it. And I'm not going to let you avoid it because all of these women are sort of tough women who deal with things on their own and are strong enough on their own need to address issues with the man they're interested in. Mm. Well, some sci some additional sci-fi honorable mentions, I think obviously Ripley needs to be in there from alien series. Um, I just never got into uh, alien, so I can't really comment on it. Yeah. It's, it's strong, um, you know, strong character done well. Uh, someone you really can understand their motivation and their vulnerability. Right. Um, and then of course, for the expanse, Avasarala is just amazing. Not exactly an ideal female character, meaning like like displaying like idealized femininity, but the tension in her of being such a powerful leader and uh and having uh such you know, facing such conflict while still maintaining, you know, uh a feminine beauty and majesty is just a, a fascinating sort of character. So, yeah, she's a great character. I, I thought of The Expanse in general. The Expanse kind of suffers for me because it's in, it comes out during the streaming uh, era. And what I mean by yeah. that is things feel much more throwaway in the streaming era, unfortunately. And I'm not say, I'm not trying to comment on the quality of The Expanse. But back in the day, and this is why I appreciate that Disney Plus is trying to bring back the whole model of per week. You know, when you had a week to sit with these characters and shows would run for seven years and you had a week between and then you had three months off between seasons you could really sit with these characters and almost live with them and like i have trouble sometimes remembering the name of the characters in the expanse but all the women in the expanse i mean avasarala like you just said i almost named naomi of course bobby's Bobby, a great course, character yeah. and she's beautiful she's strong she's strong-willed she's moral i mean bobby's a great character and then um Who's the woman? Uh, she's a she's a Mars. Is she Mars? No. I can never remember her name, but she's beautiful. And in season five, I think it started with she was in that relationship. Remember? Kira or something. Kara is her no. actor name. Kara D is her actor's name or something. Actress's no, name. I don't, no, I don't know what we're talking about now. <laughs> uh, I'm going to look it up. Who else do you have? <clears throat> well, you 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 name so many. I I, I think the, those are the ones that stick out for me. Um, 
you know, you had mentioned Kira from Deep Space Nine, of course, you know, that that's that's good. I was also gonna say Amanda Carter from SG one. Uh, if anyone remembers in the early episode, she sort of makes space for her character being one of the boys, but at the same time, you know, they go to the like isn't it like episode three, they go to the Mongol planet and uh, you know, deal with, you know, actual misogyny, right? She's, yeah. She speaks to the leader and therefore is going to be put to death. And, you know, then she gets yeah. in a knife. She has to defend herself and show her knife skills against uh, sort of the bad Mongol influence. And then she wins and everything else. Right. Like they do it. They do. They handle it well. Right. Like they they give her space to be like, hey, I'm, you know, she's no she's not stronger than Teal'c. Right. She's not stronger than than Jack, but she can hang with the boys and she can bring some of the more feminine perspective in. And yeah, and she smart. became a better character as the show went on, I thought. Yeah, she definitely did. It became less about Jack and Daniel and more about her, and it, it sort of, she became a better character in that she was more well, well-rounded than she was in the beginning, so she definitely got yep. stronger. Uh, the The character I was talking about was Kamina on The Expanse. Ah, drama. Yeah. So anything else you want to add? To this i know i think you you've uh been pretty pretty uh thorough on the on the care on, on picking it i think uh you know to go to the uh to the normal minded i think uh hof- hopefully just reading between the lines on that i think the reference there is if you think about all of these characters none of them are fit that sort of mary sue mold right yeah. um and i think i think that's part of what it boils down to like you know think of uh, amanda carter in sg1 You've got 10 seasons of Trials and Tribulations um, and character growth, right, over that time. And the, obviously the writing gets better over time, too. But it's, uh, you know, there's there's none of this, um, there's none of this sort of platonic ideal of what the character should be and no causes for why they are that way. And, um, and then, you know, overcoming any obstacle without any struggle, right? And... Um, and I think that that's something that's missing. I think, you know, if you notice, Justin and I both had to go pretty far back for most of our picks. And, and that's because uh, I think male, both, this is happening just with characters across the board because of this whole male, female, Mary Sue um, sort of uh, uh, social justice sort of take on characters. We're in, in this sort of pure naturalism we're losing those good characters, right? There's less and less of those good characters. Thankfully, well, it's also more of a doesn't risk. really suffer from that, but 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 most other modern shows do. Right, because it's more of a risk, William, to um, make sort of more unique, diverse characters, I think, than to just have yeah. surface-level Mary Sue's of both gender. Yep. All right, speaking of uh, taking a risk and doing something a little different and challenging... Uh, I have a review to talk about in The Hope for Bromantic with JML. Put me into syndication, broadcast to a network station of people viewing their favorite episodes. I can't find a new pitch to throw the studio. I need a rerun to better cast the next series of events. In the air timeline laps, my made-for-TV type was written off. When I wasn't focused on 
As you've heard us mention a bunch of times already on this show, we have a Discord channel and we like to engage in it during the week. And the conversation has been really great over the past couple months or so. So we'd love for you to join it, continuing the conversation during the week between episodes when you listen share your thoughts share thoughts on stories that we could talk about on the upcoming episode you can do so by going to the midside.com or the midside.com slash podcast and click on any episode link and in that episode there is a join discord link that you can use william were you able to watch the tomorrow war on amazon prime yet no i haven't been able to watch it yet i've seen a lot of uh, a lot of people talking about it though Yeah, there was a lot of conversation about it. And I was originally, you know, I wasn't intending on watching it, but then there wasn't really anything that came out in theaters this next week or this week that I wanted to see. And of course, it's summer and I actually happen to have a day off because it's a long weekend, you know, without any sports or anything. So I took the opportunity to watch watch this movie. Uh, So The Tomorrow War stars Chris Pratt. It was originally going to be released in theaters, but due to the pandemic, it was pulled and then Amazon bought it to distribute it. So this movie, when you watch it, this is sort of like it's like an Independence Day type movie. So Independence Day came out 24 years, 25 years ago. Right. The 4th of July is the 25th anniversary of Independence Day. William, what do you think of Independence Day? Do you think that's a good movie? I think it is a. uh a very of the era popcorn flick that is definitely worth watching. I think uh, any, any, uh, you know, kid thinking like, you know, 10 to like 16, it's something that you can watch and they can enjoy the effects pretty much hold up. Um, the, the, you know, the, the sci-fi premise is very light, but fun. And yeah, I think it's just a fun popcorn flick. Right. And it it is what it is. It's Will Smith, one of the biggest actors of the day, Jeff Goldblum, right? And it it's it, it's done well. That's the thing. It's there's nothing new in it. There's nothing like, "Oh my god, this is groundbreaking." But what it's done, it's done well. It's super entertaining. It was something that was really fun to watch in theaters. And, and it, it's just it's one of those that you have to appreciate it. I think the Tomorrow Park ride. That's what it is. Yeah, but there there's amusement park rides that are like good, and then there are amusement park rides that are great. <laughs> Do you get what I'm saying? Yeah. Like sometimes, like like that's the the value of a Disney or Universal. Like when you talk about like Harry Potter World, right? The the two lands in Universal, those were groundbreaking. And when you talk about the stuff Disney's done in the past, they were groundbreaking. Now Disney's trying to get back there. Or you talk about like Flight of the Passage. That's an amazing ride at Disney World. That's that's greater than an Independence Day. So I don't want to act like all amusement park rides are the same thing. Yeah. yeah. And anyway, so returning, this is sort of what the Tomorrow World, the Tomorrow War is. It's exactly what it sounds like. It's a war that's being fought tomorrow, but there's time travel in this movie, so it has to deal with that. So I wish I could have seen it in theaters. So here's how it works. Chris Pat is living in December 2022. And in that time period, people come from 30 years in the future and they're saying we're fighting an alien species for the survival of humanity. We need your help to fight this war. And then the remainder of the movie is 
How is that war fought? Now, I don't want to spoil things that happened in this movie because I could rattle off everything that happened because as a sci-fi fan, William, I'm sure you immediately have questions about the premise because it deals with time travel, correct? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I do. Can you throw some of those questions out at me? Uh, well, why send people in the future when you have 30 years now to prepare for things? That's right? addressed. So in other words, uh, so, you know, Intel, all sorts of things, right? You know right, where so, they're coming, when they're coming, blah, blah, blah. Right. So that's addressed. Anything else? Um, let's see. How do we, if, if they're, if, if, if we're coming back, why don't they just come back? Uh, okay. Yeah. That's sort of addressed. That's addressed indirectly. Uh, I also had the question of why December, 2022, right? Why then? Why aren't they going back even further? Right. That's addressed. Right. Uh, how do they get around predestination paradox? That's addressed. So the point I'm making is what happens if you die in the future? Right. Exactly. That's all addressed. All of this is addressed. So, it's done in a way that you're like, okay, they're not being stupid about this. There's a point. Now, there's two other things I want to, two other points I want to make about this movie. The first thing is, it takes seriously the content it is showing. And what I mean by that is, this is a war movie. This is a sci-fi war movie that deals with time travel and alien species. So when an instant, when a worldwide draft is instituted and every country in the world gets together and they institute this draft, you feel it. You feel the tragedy and the horror of what's going on. And then the second thing is interesting. Ultimately, this is a movie about family and the way that is done is obvious. There's one really obvious twist in the movie. And I don't want to sit here and talk down to you and be like, oh, blah, blah, blah. But it doesn't always have to be unpredictable. It doesn't always have to be spectacle to be cathartic. And even though I saw the twist coming. Right. There was one character that I said, oh, that's so and so. And I was 100 percent correct. It was very obvious. But that was done for cathartic reasons. So even though it's a trope in time travel storylines. It works cathartically. Does that make sense what I'm saying, William? Yeah, yeah, that makes sense. Right. So I think a lot of people are looking at it and going, oh, well, this movie is very tropey. It's very obvious. And they're saying, well, that makes it a bad movie. Because that's the thing. I liked this movie. And then I immediately, and I didn't click on it, but immediately I Googled the Tomorrow War. And the first thing that comes up is the New York Times has a terrible review of this movie. So that probably tells you all you need to know. Yeah, exactly. And then the way this movie ends calls back and parallels all the stuff that happened earlier and ultimately it's a movie about family and the importance of family and the importance of being here in the now and it's 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 big in scope and it's heroic and it it references things like alien there are parallels to the movie alien in this movie william so for me this is a bromantic movie i i flirted with making it so bromantic but it's just not visually there and it's not groundbreaking. All right. Enough. Well, the real test, the real test is, should I watch this movie today? Uh, Cause you know, as we record this, it's independence day today, or should I watch independence day? This, that's what I'm telling you. To me, this is the modern independence day. 
All right. All right. Now, does it have like the sort of themes of Independence Day as far as, you know, this is our Independence Day from, you know, the aliens and, you know, we're going to recommit to independence and freedom in this world? No, it doesn't have those themes. And unfortunately, there is a little bit about climate change in this movie. It's not (laughs) it's not a huge it's not a huge thing, but it's in the zeitgeist nowadays. Let me guess. The aliens were racist, too, and homophobic. No, but that's part of like, I don't want to spoil it. Uh, I will say the aliens are more like insects, but even that's explained. All of it's explained. And it's it's that's why I'm saying it's sort of like Alien, where they could do sequels to this. They very potentially could do sequels to this. But what I'm saying is, even though it's not dealing with the same ideas in Independence Day, like in the 90s, we sort of needed that sort of message, right? Yeah. Well, we sort yeah. of need the message now about focus here and now with your families. Because what are we always worried about when we're talking about systemic racism and climate change and all of these problems? And even the pandemic, right? It was all sacrifice the now for the future. And we always talk about yeah. short-term, long-term in here. That's sort of what this movie is. Why are we drafting these people to go fight for a week in the future when, as, as you said... They had 30 years to try and fix this problem. Now, that's addressed in the movie, as I said, but that's sort of the point. It's sort of like Independence Day, and what we need to hear nowadays is it's about family, and it's about never abandoning your family and staying there with them. So I think this movie is worth watching. It's one of the better movies I've seen this year. I really liked it. It's right on the cusp of romantic and so romantic. It's You would like it, William. It's it's guns. It's All masculinity. Right. It's sci-fi. Uh, I'm I'm actually really interested to hear what you think of it. All right. I'll I'll watch it today. All right. You better text me after you watch it. Okay. All right. So let's move forward now to some trailer takedown. As always, the trailers are in Discord. You can watch them before the episode. You can watch them after the episode. Or you can, you know, alternate. Watch a trailer. We talk about it. Watch a trailer. We talk about it. Trailer takedown. First trailer. Schmigadoon! And I really want to say it that way for some reason. Schmigadoon! <laughs> well, the exclamation a... mark at the end makes it. Makes <laughs> well, that's it why I, I, I say it that way. It's not Schmigadoon. It's Schmigadoon! Uh, it, well, look, it's well-named. we got to give it to him. It's well-named. It's an Apple TV official series. Uh, it's a musical comedy where this couple is on a hike. They're arguing with each other. And they end up walking into a musical that they can't get out of. It's sort of like, a, do you remember the Lost Woods and Zelda back in the day, William? Yeah, yeah. It's sort of like that. That was exactly what I was thinking. Yeah. Okay. So, <laughs> same page. And they get stuck in this musical until they find true love. Now, I will say I like So, in that- other words, they went to West Hollywood. <laughs> Except they're straight. That would be interesting if they played with that, though, because they do seem to be playing (laughs) with the idea of is the person I came in with the person I'm supposed to be in love with. Right. They have that sort of idea in it, although it's a small town, so I don't know how they're going to do with that. And that's the negative of it. Right. To me, it looks like this for something that it is. It has such a small budget. And this seems like it would have to be a big budget thing. This almost seems like it would work better as a movie than a TV series. So that makes me very hesitant about this. I do like that Kristen Chenoweth is in this because this seems like. You know, when I think of Pushing Daisies, this has a very Pushing Daisies vibe to it. And Kristen Jenoweth, she can sing. That woman can sing. This seems like a show Kristen Jenoweth was born to be in. But beyond Mm. that, like, uh, we've talked about this before, William. I am not going to subscribe to Apple TV Plus or Apple Plus or whatever the fuck we want to call it. 
there's not enough good content on it. This seems like something that would be on NBC network television. This is not going to make me subscribe. The only thing that I'm looking forward to that Apple has is foundation coming out. And that's not foundation enough to make and me C. subscribe. Foundation and C. C doesn't do anything shows. for me. Like, yeah, I like I'm C. like a quiet place. C. it's all the same. So again, yeah. th- this Basically. especially tackle. Tackle. All right. Well, uh, I will. I will change your mind eventually on C when the new season comes out and you watch Foundation. Uh, maybe you'll sneak episode a couple episodes of C in there. Um, but yeah, uh, I'm not a. I'm not huge into musicals, and uh, this 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 one looked a little. I don't know. I, maybe it's just cynical, William. But is this just like the? Uh, uh uh anti sort of like hollywood musical right like we've seen a couple um you know we we've seen a couple of more positive movies and musicals and or attempts at it um so i i just worry because it, it seems like it's going to it, it's sort of like the scary movies coming out after all the horror movies got real popular you know so yeah and i didn't i wasn't really a big fan of that so I think I'm just going to avoid this this one and instead watch uh, Foundation when it comes out. So I'm going to tackle it. Tackle? Second trailer. Clifford the Big Red Dog is a live-action adaptation of the Clifford the Big Red Dog book series. Now, I don't know off the top of my head, but maybe William remembers this. Was the original book series set in New York City or a big city? I don't remember because it seems very strange. I remember to them me. moving well, I remember them moving to the country. So, so I don't moved. remember where they started. They were in a city. I think they moved to a country. I don't know. This is like dude, this is like 35 years ago that I read right. those books. So maybe this is meant to be a series of movies and the first is about them realizing they need to leave the city. Maybe it just yeah, seems very maybe. strange to me that you're going to have a movie about a big red dog and set it in like the densest city in the country. It's very strange to me. Like I saw a comment on the trailer where someone was like, the the most unbelievable thing about this trailer is how big their Manhattan apartment is. And it's like, it's true. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but that that's not even my problem with this trailer. Here's the thing, William. This speaks to me about genre and medium. And what I mean by that is some things just work better as a book or as a cartoon. And I, I think this trailer and the general reaction to it shows that like a live action where everyone's live action and the dog is CGI Clifford, the big red dog just doesn't work. It's too fantastical and there's nothing wrong with the fantastical stories that are not live action. And, you know, we sort of saw this with like the live action lion King and the live action Aladdin, like live action Aladdin with the genie and everything works better or Aladdin with the genie and everything works better as a cartoon than live action. And I think the same thing is true of this movie. The whole time I was watching this trailer, I was like, why is this not animated? Why is this live action? And then I just, the girl, the little girl was so generic. Her father was so generic. There was just nothing unique about this. Tackle. Tackle. 
Yeah, and can we? I, the only thing I'm going to add to this uh, before I tackle is the CGI in the dog is horrific. It's horrifically bad. So tackle, tackle. Third trailer. Cinderella is Amazon's adaptation of the famous fairy tale. It's also a musical. This teaser is not very long. Uh, I think the the main actress is Hispanic. I'm not sure. She she's some. They they intentionally cast somebody who doesn't look traditionally white. So even if she is white or mixed or whatever, they're intentionally going for that. Uh, the character owns a dress shop. It's like Ella's dresses or something like that, and she wants to be known for that. It's. I think. Did I already mention that it's it's still a musical? I just look. They're sort of sure. It seems like Disney, you know, we, we've heard about like the Little Mermaid where they're going to make the Little Mermaid where they're going to make Ariel black. And you know, <laughs> I just realized how so how funny that sounds, because that's a font, Ariel black. Um, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, and they're going to, you know, they're doing that with other where they're, you know, gender bending or, or race bending characters. It sort of seems like Amazon's trying to get ahead of that, because I know one of Disney's biggest reasons for doing the live action reboots the live action which eliminate red-haired people right yeah <laughs> well that's everyone why is it why is it we get rid of redheads and we make all redheads black that is the strangest thing about our culture <clears throat> it is the strangest thing <laughs> like oh ariel is redheaded let's make her black why it's very strange anyway uh no it's so they can keep the rights to the stories now something like cinderella or the little mermaid right these are actual these are actual stories that existed before Disney. So anyone can adapt them. So this sort of seems like Amazon's trying to get in on that Disney money with doing this. And it seems like they're trying to make a Disney movie. Like, why would you make it a musical? Why? I just don't understand. So again, nothing about this appeals to me. It doesn't look interesting. It doesn't look unique. It just looks like a cash grab. This looks like spectacle rather than catharsis. There's no balance between those two things. So tackle. Tackle. I mean, maybe this is going to be some uh, uh, pro-capitalist uh, propaganda. You never know. Okay, no, probably not. Um, yeah. I, I, is it just me, or is the music going to be all very modern? Are we trying to go for the uh, so the modern musical uh, vibe as well? No, I don't think this is for me. I, I don't know who this is for, but it's definitely not for me. So I'm going to tackle. Tackle. Final trailer. Beckett is a Netflix original movie starring John David Washington. In it, he goes on vacation in Europe somewhere, and I'm not sure what country it is. Maybe William can figure it out. He, he goes said on vac- Athens, so maybe it was Greece. I don't know. He, but they didn't look Greek or speak Greek, did they? No. Yeah, I was confused, too. He was like, the embassy's in Athens, I think, at some point. Unless I misheard right. it. No, he did say the embassy's in Athens, so maybe I need a European map, a Europe map. I'm going to pull that up. Uh, here and then while you're talking a second i'll try to figure out what nearby country it could be because my european geography isn't great if it's not near poland i'm not sure um no laugh okay thought that was funny so anyway he's on vacation john david washington's on vacation with his girlfriend there's a car accident he wakes up in the hospital and he's like where's my girlfriend they won't tell him they act like he's crazy and then they start hunting him and then he goes to the embassy and they're like, the embassy guy is like, there's bigger things going on than you realize. So it seems like there's a conspiracy of some sort. That Look, this is enough to have me hooked, right? John David Washington's a good actor, 
right? Everything I've seen him in, he's been good. Yeah. He was good in Tenant. He was good in Ballers, right? Uh, there's nothing I've seen in that, that is bad. He it looks like he can carry a movie. Uh, this looks interesting. It looks like a, an action psychological drama, a conspiracy thriller. There's a lot going on here. And Netflix seems to have been investing in good action movies. They've been trying to go down this route. Maybe they think it's spectacle. Looks like there could be some catharsis in there in, in this movie, even though they look like Netflix is just trying to buy spectacle movies. I don't know, but this is enough that I'm enticed and I will watch this at some point. So this is the definition of a Netflix and hug. Netflix and hug. I mean, I'm easy to please when it comes to these kinds of action movies. Uh, the action looks good. Uh, there's enough to discover. Oh, sorry, the dogs are barking. Um, there's enough to discover here. There's an interesting conspiracy to uncover. I feel like this is a, would be a fun ride. It may not be a romantic movie, but at least it'll keep me interested. So I'm going to hug it. Hug. Yeah, so William, he conceivably could have been in Albania or Macedonia or Bulgaria. He could have been yeah, nearby yeah. to any of those yeah. countries. I mean, the, the the way they looked, the people looked, and um, the language they spoke could have been e- any of those countries. He also, I mean, could have been in Turkey, right? They could have been Turkish. All right, that, that brings us to the end of this trip. Let's put a bow on this episode. What did we learn, William? I learned that uh, women are frustrated with dating apps. Justin, what did you learn this trip? Uh, I learned the reality TV metaphor for the modern media, and I like it. That was a great bit of commentary, William. And I think that's another thing we're going to keep bringing back here in the midside. I think something that we'll, we'll note going forward. Awesome. As always, I want to thank everyone for listening. If it wasn't for you listening, this would just be me in a closet talking to myself into my computer. So thank you. Now I feel a little less crazy with my ranting and my rambling. Uh, if you want to support the show, you can do so by going to the midside.com slash store, pick up one of those t-shirts. You can also buy my book, the midside.com slash the cut. Uh, you can go to Patreon or locals, the midside.com slash Patreon, the midside.com slash locals. Patreon is per episode. Locals is per month. And as always, the best way you can promote the show is to tell a friend. So why don't you tell a friend about all the good times you had on the 4th of July listening to this podcast, or if you had your day off on the 5th of July, still part of the holiday, you get to listen to this show on Midside Monday. Tell your friends how such of a good time you had with this podcast. This concludes your journey into the Midside. I'm Justin Emelzneski reminding you that if things get tough, take a step back and witness the farce. Have a high testosterone day. You know, Adam Carolla has a list of things he wants to uh, have been known for when he dies. You know, uh, I think I think being uh, barred from Olympic competition for having too high testosterone, that, that should definitely be on the list.